September 17th, 1908, the Wright Flyer, flown by Orville Wright, crashes, killing passenger Thomas Selfridge, who becomes the first documented airplane fatality, and all because he didn't put up his tray table. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And returning to the show, uh, one of our favorites, Kira McKaylin, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, listeners, you may have noticed a uh, new intro music up top. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallout Boys, Sugar, We're Going Down yeah. Swing. <laughs> I can't believe we got the rights to that. And also the entire Beatles catalog, which we'll play at the end of the show. Yeah, we stole it back from Paul McCartney. He got it back from uh, Michael Jackson. And then we took it right away again. <laughs> I mean, Paul McCartney's got to be like in his 80s, now, 70s or just- 80s now. We you we saying bought... Paul McCartney's as good as dead. <laughs> just like he's old enough. He's good. We got to, uh, we got a I don't know how it worked. We got a we got a couple NFTs and bought the Beatles catalog. As long as you play it in reverse, there's no copyright issues. So oh, no. yeah. that, I know just enough about copyright law to know that that sounds plausible. So <laughs> very sure. I'm the person you want to get legal advice yeah, I mean, from. That's definitely a good idea. Oh, Liz is dead, so the Beatles might as well go to the remaining Beatles. Like, uh, Britain, you've had your time. Uh, America should follow as swiftly as possible. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Once you've like lived past the average life expectancy, your copyrights are up. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like you've made it past like what? What is it like seventy two or whatever? It's like you're you're good. I think so. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, it's it's wild to me that Britons are there's so many Britons who are very like actually sad about uh, her death. A because I think there's a lot of problems with her as a person, but B because man. After a certain age, it's like you can't be sad. Yeah. Like you can't be sad about somebody who dies in their late 90s. Yeah. It's 96. Yeah. 96. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you did. You did it, man. You you had a full ass life, a full ass <laughs> easy life of luxury. Like, yeah, like, you were we the, you were the queen. Like, yeah. Why are you going to be so sad about somebody whose life? is probably 20 times better than yours could ever conceivably be and also longer yeah i mean i feel like i feel a certain twinge of sadness when someone i really dislike lives into like their late 90s like when henry kissinger dies i'll be a little bit like it sucks when bad people do it yeah like when betty white died people were sad and i was like she's 90 fucking nine man forget about it she's it's it's fine at some point not dying feels it seems like it would be like holding in a fart you're just like holding in death my grandma's 90 and every time she's like oh i guess i'll die soon like she's in (laughs) fine health like she can walk she doesn't need to walk her she goes to exercise classes she volunteers places she's mentally all there Mm -hmm. but like She's always like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll die soon. The world's going to shit, so it doesn't bother me too much. And I'm like, <laughs> Grandma, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. She's just like waiting. She's just like waiting to see how low the ship can sink. And then she's going to be like, I'm going to take it out with natural causes before things get too bad. Yeah. I mean, I it's feel like strategy. With, yeah. With some people, like they reach a point where there's just like a certain amount of curiosity still left about like, how's this going to happen? Rather than rather than, you know, the unpleasant, more unpleasant feelings that go along with that. At some point, waking up is just a surprise. I imagine you're just like, oh, we're still doing it. <laughs> I didn't know. Keeping the streak going. <laughs> She's literally moved to uh, a. A retirement community it's not a retirement home there's no mm-hmm. attendant nurses she doesn't need those but um like a, a a group of like elderly people in like individual apartments in a surrounded lawn basically mm-hmm. um and 
two blocks away, there's these grove of trees where hundreds of buzzards just sit all the time. <laughs> what? I went there a few weeks ago and there was just so many vultures. <laughs> And they're always circling. And it's like, yeah, this is where I moved. Wow. Oh, that is like a cartoon. Hey, oh, I, my God. On the plus side, on the plus side, she lives next door to um, a retired elderly gay psychiatrist. And they're friends. And I am glad that my 90-year-old grandma from Kansas can have a gay friend and be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That you're look, I've not I've not met your grandmother, um, but she I doubt you will. <laughs> <laughs> not if the buzzards have anything to say. Unless you want to drive to Kansas. I don't I think her traveling days are are, are behind her. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, listeners, this is not a, a grandma cast. Um, although it could be. <laughs> that kind of sounds very fun. Um, both of mine are dead. So um, <laughs> well, you usually have four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get I was just sticking with the grandmas, but yeah, both of my grandfathers are also dead. <laughs> yeah. This is the only living one for me. Yeah. Um what we oh actually, sorry, Zach, you're judging this episode. That's right. So. Yeah, uh, this is a podcast we do. Um, <laughs> it's a history podcast. Uh we talk about things <laughs> from history. I could have just kept going. Uh, one of us, one of us will give you a, a straight shooting story about a person or event from history. The other one will tell you sweet, sweet, uh, silvery lies um, <laughs> that will go down your throat like honey and arsenic. And uh, and it's up We're to also us. Both guarding a door. <laughs> It's up to us uh, then to vote on which version of history we prefer. We're talking about anti-fascists in this particular mm -hmm. run. Um, this is sorry, Zach. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 I think we already resolved the results of Raoul Wallenberg a couple episodes mm -hmm. ago. I think the real history won in that case. Yes, indeed. Um, and then uh, we talked about a uh, a Nazi fighting nun last time, mm -hmm. whose name eludes me at the moment. Brian. Sister Kate McCarthy. That's correct. Um, uh, do we have the results on that one? We do. And it will surprise no one that in the anti-fascist history miniseries, the real history won, um, as it should. Like <laughs> It's a mistake that every time uh, our alternate histories are, what if they were just a fascist? <laughs> remember that good person well what if <laughs> yeah no um the actual history one um thank you chris bora for that um but this is the last of our anti-fascist history episodes yeah, before... we're gonna move on to spooky season shit episode. yeah <laughs> to sort of cheer us up we're gonna move on to like wendigos and shit and <laughs> instead of oh and do you need do you need my you might need my uh, uh, sound files of rattling chains to add. I to was actually going music. to ask you about that. Yes, if I could get the chains, I, I love that. That is something you just have on your computer, just like chain I, sound I, effects. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I recorded it on my phone from my basement where I keep the people. <laughs> and you peep the keeple i have no idea what the fuck i just said um it's not really like a terrible situation it's mostly like a a, a schlocky uh halloween october schlotsky's deli yeah yeah it's like a ghost house you go to uh in october with your friends mm. you just can't leave that's the extent of it <laughs> well <laughs> there's nothing else it's mostly just like the crypt keeper pops out occasionally <laughs> and also you can't leave so it's a zoo so it, <laughs> yeah. it's like an escape room but it's low stake it's 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 a low stakes version of saw okay <laughs> well I, I mean people are still mortal <laughs> like that's that's the thing eventually those stakes get higher 
I mean, everyone who's gotten out has said, thanks for the experience. <laughs> We're at five stars on Yelp. <laughs> it's just a more immersive escape room if you don't know how to get out. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I don't know how to get out. They can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um <laughs> Listen, Kira, you're doing uh, this episode. We're talking about Frank Emmy. I believe that's that's how I've been pronouncing it. Um, yeah, so far as I can tell. Yeah, but Kira, you're doing the actual history. Yes. All right. Uh, Whenever you're ready. Just, okay. Um, <laughs> we'll see if I'm ever ready. Um, so Frank Emmy was born in L.A. in 1916. His family uh, moved pretty shortly after they it. started. <laughs> I love how Brian immediately was like, born in New York in 1916? I'm digging that. LA. <laughs> LA. Did I say New York? Oh, no. no you did say LA. I think no, you, yeah. you did say LA. Zach okay. said <laughs> the other one. Um, Brian's like, Daniel Plank. So he was a very story? worldly traveler. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, he was born in LA, uh, but his family moves uh, somewhere else in California to start a family farm. And they also mm -hmm. ran a produce market that was pretty successful. He was also uh, a judo master, and I didn't know where to work that into the rest of the story. I just thought that was a fun fact uh, <laughs> for everything that's about to happen. Just know this dude could have fucked shit up at any point. He had the capabilities. Um, <laughs> so uh, Frank was studying to be a pharmacist, but then or a pharmacologist, and then his father uh, got severely injured in a car accident. So he takes over the family business, and he's actually like pretty successful at doing this, um, creating this like very uh, profitable produce market. And then World War II happens, and then nothing bad happens after that. Uh, so this story is very short. No, um, so World War II breaks out. Um, Frank Emmy, he's worried about his parents, but he's not particularly worried about himself. Uh, mm -hmm. Quote, we didn't have an inkling that we ourselves were going to be bothered because we Nisei were born here in this country and we were citizens. Nisei is a, a, a child of Japanese immigrants born mm -hmm. in the U.S. So he was just like, I didn't think it was going to be a problem for me. He's a little worried about my folks. Makes sense. Um, but then... Uh, Pearl Harbor happens, and America did the thing that America likes to do, which is uh, panic racism. So uh, in this time, uh, a few things happen. Um, he ends up uh, selling the fruit market for uh, $1,500, which is like a tiny fraction of yeah, what like he Yeah, like pennies on the up. dollar. Yeah, because um, they were terrified uh in mm -hmm. part because of this executive order that fdr um signs uh february 19th 1942 which authorized the mass forced removal and incarceration of all japanese americans on the west coast to quote prescribed military areas or intern <laughs> internment camps um interestingly the order doesn't specifically name japanese americans but about 110,000 japanese americans were moved into these camps and the executive order became public law about a month later in march uh, which allowed the federal courts to enforce the military orders uh so they are rightfully very concerned they sell pretty mm -hmm. much everything they have uh emmy his wife and his baby girl move in with his parents so at least they could go to the same internment camp which is yeah so fucking bleak they're just like i we gotta stick together we don't know exactly what's gonna happen and they are sent to an internment camp in wyoming called heart mountain which is very good marketing for an internment camp yep uh, seems like a place you would go with your family, not on a train by no choice. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, he states like later that at this point, the military uh, escorted us to the camps with guns and bayonets. So there wasn't a lot of thought about standing up for your rights at that time. So he was kind of trying to just get through it, uh, which... I can empathize with pretty strongly. I think that's probably what I would do if someone was pointing yeah. a gun at me and being like, you have to go to Wyoming. I'd be like, fuck, I hate it there. Uh, <laughs> why? But you have a gun. Wyoming. So I guess I'm going to Wyoming. That's how you get people. That's, anyway. I mean, that's uh, how Wyoming achieved its 
its high population of, I think, 14? Yeah, it sounds right. That and giving women the right to vote. Yes, uh, actually, so. yeah. The one good thing ever about Wyoming. Since I've... Well, that's because they couldn't get anyone to stay. <laughs> stay... Anyway, the different history. Um, I don't like the Wyoming. State that Just was the... like Liz Cheney, not conservative enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but they're like uh, hosting internment camps there. So that's a little Wyoming fun fact. Anyway, so at the at Heart Mountain, um, inmates were required to fill out what was called a loyalty questionnaire, which is bonkers it's basically like they strip away all of the rights of these uh american citizens these japanese americans and they're like you have no rights but also prove that you're loyal to the place that just took all your rights away and emmy's going through this paperwork and he gets to questions 27 and 28 which have the logo for selective service so uh the draft yes and he's like you want to you want to draft me even though I have no rights as a citizen to fight in a war. And so he responds, uh, under the present conditions, I am unable to answer the questions, which is super polite. <laughs> um, yeah, very pol- It was also, I. there was something about your tone when you were like, you want, uh, it sounded basically like you were doing a drug dealer voice, yeah, which well, I was like, like, that's like, that's kind of yeah, the draft. Like, you fuck it with me. You want to, you want to, yeah. you want me to go hold a gun while you're holding a gun to my head? Like, it's like a little like Matryoshka doll of people holding guns to people's heads at some point. It's just yeah. bizarre. Um, so he gets that question. He's just like, I'm not going to answer that. And also he tells everybody in the camp, like, don't answer that. That's a really dumb thing. They shouldn't be asking us to do that, at least not until that we are citizens again and all have our rights reinstated. Uh, so he also posts like suggested answers to those questions throughout the camp, trying to get people kind of on board. Uh, he meets Kiyoshi Otomo and forms the Heart Mountain Fair Play Committee. Uh, which is kind of the organization around uh, this kind of activism and this resistance. Which is, again, the name of the committee. <laughs> Exceedingly polite, given the situation. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> they're like, we might play be inmates, committee. but we can form a, a committee. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, man, I could not imagine doing the, like, minute notes while there's just, like, guards watching yeah. you. Just... All of it sounds awful. I know that's like a dumb thing to say about internment camps, but that was my general impression was. There's like no way to really like overstate it. (laughs) Like, yeah, all like all we could do is still just like fall short of expressing like the actual. The U.S. did a super bad thing. (laughs) Just Just the one time. (laughs) Only the one time. Um. And it only affected oh, no, 110,000 oh. people. Oh, oh, I don't know how to break this to you. It was just one time. <laughs> yeah. You, did, you haven't been doing a history podcast. Washington for years. It's chopped down a cherry tree, and that was kind of bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone loves cherries. Yeah. But he didn't the lie tree about was pretty it. bummed. He didn't um, lie about it, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, Anyways. what a wild story for children that, like, hey... Look, the real crime is lying and not tree murder. Yeah. Tree, what are you fucking I don't know. Honestly, if Washington had chopped down a cherry tree, I I that's fine. I don't I mean, I guess I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember wondering why that was such a big deal. They were like, "Did you do this?" and he was just like, "It was me. It was I." And you're like, "Okay." Like it was a tree. He needed something out of I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Was he is so honest about the time that he, I don't know, caused a massacre during the French and Indian War? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe chopping the cherry tree is just the metaphor. Me yeah. <laughs> For <laughs> so causing like, a bloody massacre. Yeah. Maybe causing a bloody massacre is or just chopping down the tree. Yeah. Or, or a number of other things. Yeah. But I mean, also, like, to me, it's. Like you can just pick cherries off the tree. You just, it's more of just like a sign of a serial what killer to just like go around chopping you're down right, random Brian. trees. You're you're correct. Like, why is a six year old or whatever the fuck he was supposed to be being like today? 
I'm cutting down this fucking tree. <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of stuff to do back then. That that is fair, actually. I think it was a, a pretty boring childhood. And if you had an axe and you were six, you're like, you got a task. <laughs> I got two things. I got a tree and I got an axe. I got an axe. Uh, that's how you got shit done. But now we have Paw Patrol, so the kids are... Yeah. <laughs> that's why there's no deforestation issues now. <laughs> yeah, One of them is a recycle dog, you know? <laughs> I actually watched an hour-long video about Paw Patrol and Copaganda last night. That was very... Oh, okay. I was going to ask what... <laughs> If it okay, now that I know it was about the propaganda of Paw Patrol, and not just the propaganda, the private police force. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they, um, it's, it's yeah. a good video. Well, I don't know any of this. <laughs> no, there's there's a reason Kathleen is not allowed to watch Paw Patrol. Side, <laughs> I guess, side recommendation for our viewers: there's a fellow named Skip Intro who has on YouTube who has done a number of videos about propaganda over the past few years uh, looking at different cop shows ranging from brooklyn 99 to blue bloods to the wire to the shield to paw patrol uh to actually like things like buffy the vampire slayer and the mcu which are like kinds of cops Mm -hmm. um and they're all very interesting it's all very infused with good research into problems with cops and i would recommend that series to anybody if you're interested in the problems with cops hmm. and That's, how they're portrayed in the media it's also the first i've heard of anyone watching blue but blue bloods so um it's the most republican ass show ever made okay i Ugh. mean with the name like blue bloods yeah he's pretty he's pretty <laughs> no, kind on the wire because the wire is pretty yeah. critical of cops yeah i don't think anyone's walking away from the wire being like i'm gonna sign up for the academy yeah meet hightower and stuff um anyway sorry we're getting way off track oh yeah sorry, yeah that was a, that was a um, so police bad um also bad in this circumstance so anyways a lot of this is like um a non-violent forms of protest and one mm-hmm. of the things that uh the FPC, the Fair Play Committee, recommends doing is not reporting for physicals. So on March 25th, 1944, 12 inmates uh, were arrested for actually not reporting to their physical. And this actually sets the example for more people to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, So from Heart Mountain specifically, there were 63 deserters in total, uh, because that's what they called inmates who didn't want to get drafted (laughs) get drafted that's such an awful idea i like genuinely can't wrap my head around it um so that's uh from the soldiers but the seven leaders of the fpc actually weren't eligible for draft either because of age or domestic status um but Mm -hmm. they were convicted to conspiracy to violate selective service act and sentenced to four years in federal prison uh emmy would serve 18 months uh at the u.s penitentiary in leavenworth kansas uh, before his as well as the other leader sentence were overturns in december of 1945 um so that's fun um so he remains relatively quiet politically um Mm -hmm. after this which again i just cannot fathom how much patience this man has just i don't know maybe he just like just did judo to relax or something yeah honestly i can't i can't figure out but he like just took like pretty quiet jobs. He worked as a postman. He later worked at the unemployment office. So he's like a civil servant after Mm -hmm. going through all of this wild shit. And then in about the 1980s, there was the Japanese American movement for redress, which seeked, uh, sought, seeked. Wow. Okay. It's okay. I don't talk to human beings very often, so I don't know what words are anymore. They were seeking an apology. Huh? Zendaya is Michi. Is that still relevant? I <laughs> words. Yeah, things. It was a viral thing from about seven years ago. No fucking way. It was definitely like what at least time. At most four. Uh, no fucking way. It was four. 
No fucking way. No fucking way it was four years ago. Sorry, the intensity of Zach's face was gosh yeah that was very very direct <laughs> anyway so the japanese american movement for redress is seeking an apology as well as reparations um and during this time uh emmy decides to really speak up and uh kind of work with uh specifically the nikkei for civil rights uh organization um and he worked a lot towards continued public education um about the resistance movement and what they did um uh, he's uh, used kind of the phrase like no more shkatagenai, which is the it can't be helped. And he was mm-hmm. saying when there's a real blatant injustice like that, you should speak up. So a lot of this service in the 1980s was about um, learning to, I guess, not be intimidated when someone has a gun and a bayonet and still <laughs> know how to be like, this is wrong. We need to not only speak about it, but also just not forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was very pivotal in kind of the preservation of this, which uh, I was thinking about as I was kind of reading about this, because it is in my admittedly like kind of like recent like self-education that I knew like anything about what Japanese Americans went through in World War II. Um, so I think part of the reason that was is if this started in the 80s, I probably didn't completely like make its way into schools until I was probably mm. in about maybe like middle oh, or high school. Yeah, even. I don't know how much of this I was taught in school at all. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, um, I think maybe a some, sentence of a chapter might have been like. Yeah. Americans also put Japanese in internment camps on U.S. soil. Anyways, here's the part where we were heroes. Yeah, like I think it was like generally how it goes with this kind of stuff. Um, So I, and that's not to like downplay the work that he was doing by any means. It's really more to highlight the fact that we can have this conversation now. I think is really in part to that work in the '80s. To be fair, an ongoing fight because like uh, yeah. I think for a minute it was getting better about like showing the plight of different peoples mm-hmm. under the American government. Like I, I genuinely think that like for a little bit it was becoming more representative in schools and it's definitely getting some hard ass pushback now. Yeah. 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 And I mean, also like, I mean, to sort of go back cause you talked about like, um, you know, him wanting to combat that um, it can't be helped attitude, um, which is, I mean, because there is the very pernicious like model minority myth that gets applied to a lot of Asian Americans yeah. and sort of a lot of the other people in the camp dealing with the pressure because like a lot of the pushback he got from other like Japanese Americans was like sort of around and not to belittle it but like around the idea that like his actions they felt his actions made them look bad um and made them look like not patriotic which like when people are like putting you in an internment camp for not being patriotic that's a totally rational response to be like no I am let me let me prove it and like even like the Japanese American soldiers in World War II, like the Nisei Battalion, um, ended up being like the most decorated battalion, I think, in the war. Um, and like, yeah, they yeah. they made a really strong point um, somewhere in my notes about that it wasn't about uh, selective service specifically; it was about doing selective service when you don't have any rights. Like, it was yes. a very big point exactly. that they were like if we're citizens and are actually allowed to, you know, have the rights of citizens, we'll gladly do selective service. But if you're not going to give us that, like it was very much a part of that. So there was definitely like a model of patriotism, I think, built into this resistance. I I do think it's important to like, uh, remember the things you were taught as a kid and like accept the falsity and accept where you Mm. are wrong in your understanding. And in that same vein, um, I found out that Zendaya Izmichi was indeed four years ago, almost to the month. And I accept that I was wrong about 
about when Zendaya is Michi happened. It came out like right before the midterms. Uh, <laughs> it was September of 2018. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's the best I felt all week. I mean, to be fair, 2020 probably felt like about three years. Yeah, so I see where the seven came from. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, look, it definitely feels like something I my guess grandmother Zendaya would have whispered. Is still fairly young. Yeah. Seven years ago, she was probably like a, a child still. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know how old Zendaya is. That's one of my, that's one of my flaws. You know what? It's one of my flaws too. <laughs> I, I always too. am like every day I wake up and I say today I'm going to learn how old Zendaya is and I haven't done it yet and it's a personal problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I could Google right now. I uh, feel like she's 24, but I don't know. That she's got like 24 energy, not like the TV show. Um, <laughs> she just 26. lives in real time. Yeah, I mean, we all do. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's why when that show came out, I'm like, who, who cares? This is my life yeah, every day, it was baby. Very novel for some reason. She is 26. I looked yeah. it up. We're all better for it, maybe. Well, now I have Recently, no more worlds to conquer. A very recent 26, only September 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Kira, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> More for the Zendaya update than my yeah. brilliant retelling of history. Well, no, for, <laughs> you are welcome. For both, for both. Uh, we do, we're Zendaya for some Zendaya news. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> there's, I'm just going to toss that on the pile of the dumb shit I've said in my life. Um, <laughs> just set that on fire. doing the alternate history for Frank Emmy uh, and again as with the standard caveat when we're talking about heroes um, and especially in this in this miniseries um, not really gonna fuck with anything he did too much um, so my my story of Frank Emmy begins um, later when he was working as a letter carrier. Um, I can't remember how long he did that, but he did do it for quite a long time up until he retired from the postal service um, along with Ben Gibbard. And uh, then he went to work for the unemployment office after retirement. So he's one of those dudes just need something to do. So when he was working for the postal service, you know, he, it was interesting because it was like, you know, civil service and it was sort of, there's a sort of like community aspect being a letter carrier. Like you're walking the same beat all the time. Uh, You tend to meet like the people and get to know them at least. I mean, I've lived in fucking like apartments for the last 14 years now. So I've met my letter carriers like a handful of times, but that was the case for him. And so in about nine, uh, the mid-1960s, he's working. Can uh, I um, briefly uh, say, apparently, this is real life. This man was promoted to eighth degree black belt in 2008 when he was 92 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, fuck you, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> like, yeah. You couldn't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's intense. I was reading that and we're just like, okay, I, I, I know the kind of, I know partly the kind of person you are. It's like whenever you see, like, a story on the news about, like, oh, this 95-year-old went back to college for the first time. And I was like, oh, I, I had terrible anxiety doing that when I was 27. <laughs> Anyway, he's working a a route in Northern California, and this is about the time when, like, the student movement against Vietnam is getting going. And, you know, he did, for whatever reason, he did prefer a quiet life. Um, 
whether that was just sort of more in line with his personality and his activism was what something that circumstances sort of forced upon him um, or whether it was just like fatigue, emotional fatigue, something like that. Um, but he still had a pretty keen sense of justice. And so what he would do when he was delivering mail uh, to all the people involved in the anti-war movement, uh, he would slip little like encouraging notes in the mailbox, um, sort of things like, you're doing great, buddy. Uh, keep it up. Ooh. I don't know how people encourage people. I have to learn before my daughter grows up. Um, <laughs> but um, just little notes to give people in the anti-war movement the the strength to keep fighting when, especially early on when it was hard to organize and do all that. You know, he saw that yeah. sort just of like you're doing great, buddy. Not the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He realized he did have to clarify. I am not from the government. Uh, and then this double is asterisk, not even though I kind of am from the post your mailbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep he on going. See where it leads. <laughs> not the CIA. <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't take <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't take fine tuning. Uh, my pen but... was out of ink today, so that's why it's written in blood. <laughs> but I think you're doing okay. <laughs> um but anyway, like it it was a small thing and it didn't in and of itself like change the world. Um but it did like it kept people going. Um, and so like after a while he moves to a different route, he moves uh, down to, or moves, sorry, I should say across the country uh, to New York city. Um, salsa capital of the world. Yeah. Don't I mean, sorry. If you, if you get a rope. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't. Okay. You know, you are unfamiliar with the uh, this salsa is from New York City. Get a rope. Wait, what? <laughs> there, there are, it's a series of ads. OK, no, I know the ads. I don't know the get a rope part. You don't know. That's the point of the ads. It's a bunch of fucking cowboys. Yeah, I don't remember one ever implying that they were going to. Yeah, they do. That's the whole punchline of the ad. What the fuck? It's it's like uh this this is from New York City, and they all say New York City. I remember and then that. As the ad fades out, someone says, "Get a rope." What the fuck? Wow! Oh my god! I've been making jokes about that fucking commercial for, since like time immemorial. Well, at least it's not a racially motivated legend. <laughs> okay, that's that is nice. That that's better, certainly. Um, it's still not my favorite. <laughs> you understand? I, I guess I got to go back to the "What do you want on your tombstone?" <laughs> jokes now. If we're going back to old nineties food, that's ads. like the existential question. Like, what do you want on your tombstone? They thought they were just selling pizzas, but like, <laughs> I really thought about that. I took that to heart. Like, yeah, <laughs> it definitely didn't like improve my life decisions by any, <laughs> by any stretch. It's like, I don't know. What if I just don't have a tombstone? <laughs> it's also like not the thing I want to be thinking about when I'm in the mental state of like buying frozen pizza because I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing great. Like that's unless it's DiGiorno and I'm like celebrating. Um, it's, it's, it'd be fun to have like uh, if only famous people can do this, but some people have like, <laughs> well, not only, but, but but some famous people have very funny tombstones. Uh, I think Mel Blank uh, has one that says like, that's all folks. And mm -hmm. there's another famous person. I can't remember who, who's like. Uh, These have always brought name. me luck. Famous name in, and then that's the whole tombstone. 
because the ground is what he's in. <laughs> so, I mean, I as a plebe, I probably couldn't get away with that sort of thing. Yeah, you could you could do like I told her I was sick or whatever. Yeah, yeah you can do whatever the... you want. You're dead. You know, <laughs> it's your st- last joke. What are the repercussions <laughs> really going to be for you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go full go nuts. Yeah, it's my closer, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you should put on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> and then people will see it and be like, "Who the fuck is he?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, write pepperoni on your tombstone that's... and then be like, "Oh, that's what he wanted on his tombstone." <laughs> <laughs> Remember Except... that brand of frozen pizza? <laughs> already, no, you don't, cyber granddaughter. The Gen Z people don't remember that, so it's, it's dated already. <laughs> oh man. Um, Anyway, uh, he moves across the country to New York City, and there he sort of does the same thing to people. uh, You know, this is around the mid-1980s to people involved in ACT UP um, and the gay rights, gay pride, gay liberation movement. And so he's sort of been traveling across the country using sort of the shell organization that is the U.S. Postal Service um to encourage activists uh who are being oppressed uh to not give up the fight and continue to make the hard choice to stand up for themselves and that is the alternate history of frank emmy um i got way off track in the middle of that because we started talking about pizza and salsa i apologize no no that is okay i'm I'm free willing tonight (laughs) you're free willing tonight have you ever made like pizza with a with salsa sauce oh no i don't don't know that i have don't look that horrified that's not that bad of an idea no no no, i don't think it's a bad idea i don't i've just never heard of it like it was recollection like trying to remember uh, I, I think that might be good. I think that's the a innocent good... days of my youth. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely yeah. seems like some stoner college thing you do, but like it seems I don't logical. Know. There's a lot. Yeah. I've done barbecue sauce, but I think that's a little pedestrian at this point. Everyone's sort of done that. Yeah. So listeners, before we move on to uh the judgment phase, I just want to remind you that you can always leave us a comment, ask us a question. Uh, send us a soup recipe at revisionistpodcast.com. Just click on the contact form or uh, reach out via Instagram or our newly resurrected Twitter until either Elon Musk is forced into buying it, which I think would be very funny um, because now he doesn't want to. um, Or I'd... (laughs) have another mental episode and have to get off fucking Twitter, Um, which whichever comes first. Um, And then you can always uh, we ask that you uh, review the podcast on your podcast service of choice, written reviews, especially Um, you can. It doesn't matter what you write. Just leave five stars and. Tell us what note you would slip in our mailbox if you were or were not the CIA, but don't specify. We have to guess. Write something that is encouraging in writing, but from an enemy would seem (laughs) scary. And also includes the local death toll in your area. (laughs) Just keeping tabs. (laughs) <laughs> Always include how many people have died near you. If you no. if you possibly can, <laughs> write the headline for tomorrow's newspaper and really just early edition someone. Yeah, uh, I, oh, I, I, I'd be fine. Could, that could be a fun thing for me to do this fall, like have an early edition exclusively through podcast reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll, just the way of the idea of like, I think I'll have an early edition. Like it's a service <laughs> you can sign up for. Yeah. So if you're capable listeners of predicting one day into the future and giving it to me, I could try that. I can see. <laughs> I'll probably not stick with it, but I'm willing to try it. For I mean, this is why you would not necessarily be the ideal recipient for an early edition. I mean, I could try. Maybe I'd be good at it. <laughs> 
<laughs> at least you're honest. At least you're not making promises to that cat. Just like I will change the world one day at a time. You're just like you know. Sometimes it's just going to be like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just ate that whole deep dish pizza. I got to sit here for a while. Nothing's getting done today about tomorrow. Oh shit, that's happening in Ukraine. I no, I can't. No, it's far. That's tough to, it would be tough to do anything out of your time zone. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a car, you know. My girlfriend has a car. I don't have a car. So, like, you know. It might be a strain keep, on your relationship. Keep, Just being like, keep, can I get a ride it, to the terrible thing? Keep it keep it reasonable. Keep it close. Uh, I'll see what I can do. I, I do have to work. I do need to make money for my life. Um, so. Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, um, Zach, you you co-host a podcast called The Movie Trap, mm-hmm. um, which is not early edition related at all. It's shit. It's a um, <laughs> it's a podcast uh, where three white guys talk about movies. It's like the worst version of a podcast, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's a gamified movie podcast. Uh, we're talking about summer movies right now, uh, finishing up that series, and then we're going to do our Halloween run pretty soon. So uh, if you want to listen to that, you you are perfectly free to do so. <laughs> strong salesmanship bringing that same like early edition energy to the, <laughs> yeah to your movie trap plug um kira did you want to mention anything in particular uh you can check out my instagram at kicky bean k-i-c-k-e-y bean like the legume uh and i i draw stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah kira is great at both comedy and art um so definitely check her out um but that brings us to the judgment phase of the show which falls to zach yeah i'll just do the real one yeah we know we know just do the real one let's just let's just keep it to the real one oh yeah i Listeners, we'll, we'll go crazy for Halloween and and uh, 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 have fun with the alternate histories when we talk about like the fucking ghost of Butcher Hall or whatever the fuck yeah. we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. That's still like we've talked about doing like Guy DeRay like for years. <laughs> and that's oh, still yeah, just wow. like, like it's such a wild story, but there's also like it's the same thing of the alternate being like, Welp, uh, well, he killed a lot of kids, yeah, but it was also 400 years ago. That is true, they yeah. would have been dead either way at this point. Exactly, <laughs> that's uh, I have a mental thing where it's like in a certain tragedy, if everybody who was involved would be dead by now anyway, it's like, eh, <laughs> I mean, that that's like. I get that. That's fair. Like the Titanic has officially entered into like, well, what are you gonna do? Early edition. No one would be alive anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> there's no action you could do about it anyway. Like even no matter what attitude you have. About yeah, but like nobody remembers. Like nobody like was like, ah, oh, my grandma. Like nah, 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 nah. Yeah, that's true. No one's gonna be like, <laughs> oh, this is true. This is a fun attitude for a history the podcast. <laughs> nobody remembers the fucking Titanic happening anymore. Like nobody alive remembers it. It's just the facts. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a few people were alive when it happened, but they were like two. Like, yeah. Forget it. <laughs> titanic you, you've been you've been warned uh we're we and already especially came for titanic you. where it wasn't like human evil it was just like yeah oh shit like they fucked up it's like <laughs> uh, who cares yeah that was that was the headline of the new york times the next day boat fucked up yeah <laughs> like i get it with like mass murder but like you know titanic <laughs> We can be over it. We can, as a society, be over the Titanic. 
It's like the queen dying. Yeah. yeah I mean, honestly. Who gives a fuck? She's 96. Yeah. Honestly, like, if she didn't die, like, a week ago or whatever, she'd probably be dead by now. Anyway. She wasn't alive for the fucking Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, people. Um, get it together. Um, anyway. <laughs> Listeners, look. Voting is open on Patreon. Um, so cast your vote. We all want the r- real history. Um, not to put our thumb on the scales too much. Uh, but Kira, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, Zach, thank you as always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for everyone here at the And Ruben- always remember the Titanic doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I learned more about the Titanic in my like school history class that I learned about Japanese internment. Or probably um, yeah. most American <laughs> slavery or yeah. uh, the treatment of Indian uh, Native Americans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I like I literally like three years ago, like interviewed for a story like a, a Nisei woman who like was in not Camp Amachi in Colorado, but uh, a camp in California. So like there are still people alive who were interned by the U.S. government. Yeah. Um, George Takai. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, um, so li- listeners, thank you for uh, thank you for going along with us for these last three episodes. We know it's sort of different than usual and sort of brushing up against our promise to never do the Holocaust, um, which we haven't done and we'll never do an alternate history of the Holocaust um, because that's a horrendous thing to do. And um, just people who interacted with the yes. Holocaust in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you going along uh, because we chose this because the emotions we're feeling at the state of the country right now. Um, and just as a reminder that there are people who have stood up to these systems. Um, so with that, we're going to go into Halloween. We're gonna have a good time with ghouls and yeah, goblins. Yeah, we're gonna talk and... about like the cock-sucking ghost of New Trenton or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a glory hole. That's not a ghost. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wait, that's not real, right? Is I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I love this energy you have that is just, you have like the energy of someone who's like, I don't know why I keep thinking of this, but like waiting for the pizza to cook. Like you're on this podcast waiting I mean, I for your why. deep dish pizza and you're like, I can smell it. I'm done. You know, you're, like. <laughs> like you, you're at Luminati's and you like you ordered and Lou it's Mal-Nati's. just like. Luminati's. Luminati's. It's not Luminati's. It's not Illuminati's pizza. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah that sort of vibe uh anyway uh have a good time everyone have a good time